Hey all, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, the official podcast of MarvelSnapZone.com. Hey, I just want to say a couple things before we jump into today's uh, deck face-off, our second ever deck face-off with returning champ paper and a couple of other guests. Uh, first things first, I've done a little bit of a disservice to our guests because we did record this almost two weeks ago and I'm just getting it out now. Uh, just with everything going on in my life, I just got really behind on getting this episode out. Uh, the creators put in some great work and effort, obviously, to building these decks. So I, I hope you guys will still listen and, and support them by following them on their social media accounts and on their streaming accounts, as well as voting in the polls to decide a winner. We do, we'll have a poll up on Reddit, on the official Facebook, on the official Discord, and on the official Twitter account of the podcast, can't underscore stop underscore snap. So make sure after listening to this, you go vote in, the, in that poll in one of those locations. That poll is going to run for three days, and then we will crown a winner of this face-off. That that being said, one more thing before we jump in. Uh, There are a couple of uh, audio issues that we ran into while recording this. Sometimes people's audio was dropping out, so there may be some weird cuts uh, in the conversation. I apologize for that. We've tried to to smooth it out as, uh, as best as I can. Also, there are a couple moments where maybe somebody's talking and they drop out for a second or two. Again, apologize for that. I'm doing some things to try to avoid um, that kind of audio loss in the future. But for now, I, I, I apologize and I thank you for sticking with us. Uh, without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Hey, everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping. And we are not joined by one nor two guests. We are joined by three guests today for our second ever deck face-off. Today we are joined by Paper, Gator, and Binks. All of them have previously been on the show. We're glad to have all three of them back here for a little bit of competition. So as you may remember from our previous deck face-off, uh, the, uh, the guest hosts have brought decks today to tell us about why they brought the best deck. They're going to walk us through the cards they have, uh, the strategy, the win con, you know, why their deck can win them lots of cubes, whatever it may be. They're going to walk us through all the pros. And then we're going to have a few minutes uh, as the panel here to kind of poke holes, point out weaknesses, concerns about the deck build, how it may be better if they were to switch out with other cards, et cetera. And then, uh, and then that uh, host will be given a chance to kind of defend and make a last defense for the deck for a couple of minutes. So we will be going through here. And as you may remember also from last time, uh, at the time of launching this episode, you, there will be a poll on Reddit, on Twitter, and in the official Discord for you, the listener, to give your feedback about who you think did the best. You can vote for who you think brought the best deck, defended the best deck, and then they will be crowned uh, the winner of our second uh, deck face-off. With all that being said, thank you guys all for being here, and we are excited to jump in. Um, we we pulled some straws for ordering here, so we are first going to start off with paper and then we will go to Gator second and then we will go to Binks. So paper, I am putting five minutes on the timer. I'm going to start that and uh, you take it away. All right, so today, what I call the Giants of Asgard. Uh, uh, I guess I'll just run through the deck list first. It's Wasp, Sunspot, Black Widow, Ironheart, Lockjaw Wave, Thor, Jane Foster, the Mighty Thor, Giganto, Magneto, Odin, and the Infinite. 
So just judging by the deck list, you can kind of see what I'm going for here. Um, I really wanted to make a deck that used Thor and Jane Foster. Thor is one of my favorite Marvel properties. So um, I, I had to find a deck that made them work. And I found that the Lockjaw deck works great for this. So the main point of this deck is to have Lockjaw on the board, uh, play your Thor, uh, Jane Foster right after, get Mjolnir into your hand, and then you can just use Mjolnir on Lockjaw to give your Thor plus six, um, and then that Mjolnir will go into your deck and you'll get a big body out of it, like uh, Giganto, Magneto, or the Infinite. Um, so this deck kind of has two sort of play styles that you play through. The first being the typical Sunspot Wave Infinite uh, strategy that has been pretty popular since Wave came out, um, where you can just play Sunspot, go through the rest of your game, skip turn five, and then play Infinite on turn six. Uh, there's also the Lockjaw engine in the deck as well. So you can use Lockjaw and Wasp on turn three, try to get a big body like the Infinite or Giganto out super early into the game and kind of win one lane pretty much right away, barring any sort of Shang-Chi plays that your opponents may have. Um, but then with that Lockjaw engine, you can also benefit by using Mjolnir, um, using Odin on a Mjolnir that's maybe already stayed on the board to give Thor a little bit extra power. Um, so yeah, the reason why this is kind of like the Giants of Asgard deck is because I have Thor, Jane Foster, and Odin, obviously all prominent Asgard um, heroes. And um, yeah, so the deck kind of just buffs the board and plays big bodies while doing it. Um, Ironheart into Lockjaw is great as well. Um, you play Ironheart, Lockjaw puts her back in the deck, and you can just replace her with a big body instead of it being another, or instead of her coming out as just like a zero power. So um, there's a lot in this deck that kind of disrupts the opponent or kind of can catch them off guard. Um, Ironheart's actually surprisingly one of the cards that wins me the most games because people don't really expect Ironheart to come out and then go back in the deck and then come out again. And then maybe Odin plays her effect again and you're just like buffing the entire board at that point. So um, yeah, that's, that's the deck. Uh, I'm interested to see what you guys have to say about it. Okay, awesome. Well, I will put three minutes on the clock here for questions, concerns, etc., and we will we will get that started. And I'll I'll start us off here. Um, I just I, you know, obviously there's the controversy of Nexus events. We'll put that aside. I just wonder about the consistency there. I guess that's one of my concerns. Um, you know, you're playing her on turn five, and you know, unless you're pulling her with Lockjaw or something like that, but. I just don't know if that really helps to pull Mjolnir. I, I mean, I guess you're already on turn five, so you've had a lot of chances to pull her. So I don't know. I, I guess I just wonder if that's the most consistent piece, right? Uh, it sounds like a, a fairly solid build otherwise without her, but obviously she kind of goes into the into the Asgardian theme uh, you're going for. But I'll turn it over to uh, Gator and Binks. What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I really, uh, yeah I, I really like this deck. Uh, I... Uh, I'm planning on playing a version of it soon. I was boycotting Jane Foster, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm excited. I, I think that uh, you know some of my good faith is back. Uh, question for you while you do your rebuttal. Would you put Yellow Jacket in this deck or no? Uh, my version, I do have Yellow Jacket. You might just not have uh, that card, but it's another zero-cost card, and I think it helps with the consistency of you know pulling a bunch of things out with uh, Jane Foster, especially if you put like the Wasp and the Yellow Jacket back in your deck on turns three and four. 
uh, and then you got like Thor on turn four, then you can pull all those zero cost cards, then you have them to play. And it also, what, what I really like about Jane Foster in this deck is that it helps with the consistency of what comes out of your lock jaws, because when you pull all those zero cost cards out, you lower that chance on turn six, if you're gonna play on the lock jaw again, of pulling those uh, zero cost cards uh, back out with it, which is obviously a huge low roll. Um, so really cool there. Um, interested in your choice with uh, Black Widow, uh, you you explain wave, which I don't have in my deck, which I think is pretty cool to just kind of go more for the ramp style of you know playing wave and then a big card on four skip and then the infinite on six. It's a good win condition when you don't get lockjaw. Um, but just wondering about you know your choices with uh, adding yellow jacket if you would do that and then um, some of your big cards. Um, well, what were your reasonings behind you know kind of doing that uh, group of big cards? The I call it giganto. It might be giganto. I don't. I mispronounce every card in this game. Uh, so just wondering about your your big card choices and and why you chose those specifically. And we'll 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 give you time there in just a minute, paper. But let's Gator. We'll turn over to you for the last minute. I just, I actually like where this deck is built a lot. The idea with like Jane Foster pulling out the mold, the Thor's hammer, the wasp, putting into the log It's actually very creative. I quite like it. My only problem is that. Yeah, I think this deck is going to struggle to win two lanes in games where you're not playing Thor and Lockjaw. Because when, when you're going Lockjaw into Thor into Jane Foster, that's going to fuel your Lockjaw, which should win the Lockjaw lane, and the Thor plus the other Thor should win that second lane. But if you're not drawing those three cards, I feel like you're committing a lot of power into one lane, and it might be kind of tough to finish the second one out. But I actually like I, I love this deck's idea. I think it's a really cool way to build Jane Foster. But I feel like it's quite reliant on Lockjaw. Also, that second lane might be pretty hard to win in some games. Okay, awesome. Well, I think I think we've pointed out a couple good things. Paper, we're going to turn it back over to you for another three minutes uh, to answer some of these questions and kind of plug some of these holes. Yeah, all right. So I guess I'll address them just kind of in the order. I was taking notes as you guys were going. Um, so the first thing that was, that was brought up was the consistency of Jane Foster. Um, which I guess Binks also kind of touched on a little bit. Um, so she does come out on five, which is a little bit late. I do have to play Thor on four. Um, so, I mean, it's coming out right after Thor in most cases. As well, she's eight power, which is pretty respectable for turn five. Um, so even if I'm not pulling out a Mjolnir, there's a lot of games where maybe I don't draw Thor. I'll just play Jane Foster just to get eight power on the board. It's, it's pretty strong regardless. Um, and then it also, as Binks was saying, it does pull out the zero costs that are in the deck that I don't want Lockjaw to pull out. So um, I can use Jane Foster to play her on turn five. If I already have Lockjaw out, um, pull out my Wasp just so I can play Wasp again on Lockjaw and make sure that that's one less card that Lockjaw can pull out that I don't really want to see. Um, in terms of Yellow Jacket, Yellow Jacket's a, a pretty decent card. Um, I think he definitely has a spot in this deck, um, maybe to take out the Black Widow for it, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, either taking out Black Widow or Sunspot, just for another free card to play on Lockjaw. The problem with Yellow Jacket could be that um, as I'm playing on the Lockjaw lane, he's going to reduce my Lockjaw's power. Um, and the Lockjaw lane, if I don't roll high enough in a lot of cases, it needs every bit of power that it get that it can get. So um, that could be one case against the Yellow Jacket. 
Uh, but I do really like having both Sunspot and Black Widow in this deck. Sunspot, obviously, for the infinite synergy and just sometimes on floating energy every other turn. So, um, and then Black Widow, uh, I this is one of the one of the two or three cards that I would change in this deck um, that I would experiment a little bit more with. This is kind of just what I've landed on so far. Um, having that hand disruption is really really strong. It also adds another card that your opponent needs to play on the board, which can also kind of help the um, problem with winning two lanes in this deck. So your opponent plays has to play that Widow's Bite that she gives. Um, that's just one extra card there that is going to contribute nothing to their board, and it makes it easier for you to win that lane with a little bit less power than you normally would have. Um, so the reasoning behind the big cards that I have, um, I actually don't have Magneto, so I'm currently running this deck with Death. 20 seconds. Okay. Both Magneto and Death are pretty good. Death helps me if I'm playing against a destroy deck. Magneto, just to pull stuff. Um, Infinite, just for the big body from Lockjaw. And for the finishing the second lane without Thor, I really haven't seen that as much of a problem. There's a lot of big bodies in this deck, and the Magneto disruption is probably pretty strong. So, um, yeah, I really haven't run into too many winning two lane problems. Okay. Thank you for that. I think you answered a lot of our questions. Um, but overall, I, I think a fun deck. I think an interesting build. And like you said, maybe there's couple pieces to tweak as you as you can you know slot in other couple other cards here but overall it sounds like a a fairly consistent deck um it's very fun i will yeah. say that some of the most fun that i've had um with lockjaw so awesome okay gator i have got five minutes back on the clock we are going to turn it over to you and uh you take it away Hey all, I wanted to take a quick moment to talk to you about MarvelSnapZone.com. Marvel Snap Zone is a one-stop shop for everything Marvel Snap on the internet. They have new articles nearly every day that cover deck building, strategy, card breakdowns, etc. They have a great collection tracker tool and a decklist builder that works off of that collection tracker so that you can know what decks you can build with your current card collection. They have guides and deck lists for all level of players and all collection level of players. Make sure to go to marvelsnapzone.com and check it out now. All right, so I guess I'll start by, by just saying the deck list. I'm probably going to butcher half these names, but I've got Psylocke, Ironheart, Mystique, Nakia, Rogue, Lockjaw, Jubilee, Wong, Mr. Negative, Iron Man, White Tiger, and Magic. So pretty much... It's just a stock standard Mr. Negative deck. The main reason why I brought this deck in particular was that I like the way Mr. Negative works with the snap mechanics of the game. You play Mr. Negative on four, and whenever you draw him initially, you can pretty much always snap. So that immediately puts those two cubes in play, because when you draw negative, you're probably going to win that game. It lets you lock in those two cubes very early. And then after you play your negative, you draw things like zero mana Iron Man, zero mana Iron Heart, zero mana Mystique. You get a one mana White Tiger. There's a lot of cards you can hold in your hand and then wait to play until the final turn of the game, which lowers your opponent's chance of retreating and getting you those maximum cubes at the end of the game. Um, in terms of like deck inclusions, uh, I like how this deck has things like Jubilee and Magique, as well as Psylocke, to guarantee getting negative out as often as early as possible. This deck struggles without getting negative on the board. Uh, it's kind of, it's reliant on negative in that way. But with Jubilee, you have an extra pull. With Lockjaw, you have extra pulls. With Magic, you have more time to draw. 
So it pretty much maximizes the chance of getting a negative onto the board. And once you have negative, the deck is just super, super strong. I mean, 0-5 Iron Man's crazy, 1-5 White Tiger, Majik gets you an extra draw. The deck just does so many powerful things after it plays Mr. Negative that it covers up for the consistency of the times where it doesn't. And honestly, even when it doesn't draw negative, there are still some power plays. Lockjaw can do some crazy stuff. Wong into White Tiger. Like, it just it's a decent play. Iron Man into Mystique. The deck can still do some powerful things, even without its power play card. But when it draws Mr. Negative, it's just so good at winning cubes compared to any other deck. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to put three more minutes on the clock here. Um... I know I've got a couple questions, so let me just get that ready. Okay, I'll start us off here. Um, I think there's some interesting things here. I think whenever you're playing with Mr. Negative, there's a lot of fun things you can do. Um, this is just my thought. I mean, you guys may not agree with this. I mean, um, I think Magic is a very powerful card, right? So you, uh, Magic, Magic, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it either. But I wonder, like you say, like if you draw Mr. Negative before, by turn four, like you're snapping, right? And, and I, I think a lot of people play it that way. Um, I, I feel like, though, with Magic, one downside is that, like, the second you play Magic, a lot of people are going to retreat. I don't know. That's my experience. I've seen that happen a lot um, because they're like, oh, well, I've been duped, right? There's another turn or there's going to be another two turns, right? Um, and so I wonder if this is – I just worry, is this more of, a like, a two-cube win deck consistency or, or can you really get up to like a four or eight, right? Not to say that that's the only thing that makes the deck good is being able to get four or eight cubes, but I think there are decks that play more for two and there's some that play more for four or eight, right? It's all about the surprise factor. So I guess that's my, my initial thought. I'll turn it over to, uh, let's go to Binks first. Awesome. Uh, I'm still excited to get Mr. Negative, one of the few cards I haven't pulled in pool three. Uh, so I have my kind of theory crafts and ideas about Mr. Negative, but I haven't been able to play him myself. A uh, couple things that I see a lot in Mr. Negative decks, or at least I think are awesome in Mr. Negative decks, would be Armin Zola, uh, which I don't see in this deck. I don't know if that's not an inclusion because you don't have it or because you purposely chose, but I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, Mystique seems uh, tough. I feel like a lot of these decks that are running Mystique also have like Blue Marvel in it to have an additional out because it seems like if you're not Mystiquing Iron Man, this deck isn't really built to do like Mystique Wong shenanigans. So you really only have one target for it. I suppose the Rogue can also be a Mystique if you're lucky enough to be able to get it to pull one of their uh, cards and then you can copy that, which is pretty neat. But um, I don't know about the consistency. So I would love to hear about your consistency with Mystique and uh, if there's something else you play around uh, outside of Iron Man. Uh, I think Magic is a great inclusion because you're going to push the game to turn seven, give you another chance to draw. Uh, the other question I would have would just be about Crystal. Uh, Crystal, I feel like, is something that I always include in my theory crafts for Mr. Negative decks. Play Mr. Negative on four, Crystal and on five, and then maybe you know one of the Mr. Negative cards you already drew. And then you get to reshuffle, and on turn six, you can have a huge power play with uh, hopefully two uh, or three cards that have the Mr. Negative effect, uh, uh, you know, as opposed to just whichever one you draw on turn six. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, otherwise, this deck looks really fun. I'm excited to play Mr. Negative, and this looks like a, a good way to utilize that card for sure. Awesome. We'll turn it over to you, Paper. Yeah, so I have had a lot of trouble with Mr. Negative. He was one of my key cards that I was looking forward to pulling. Once they did the collection changes, I got him like right away, and I just have not been able to find success with him. So my criticisms on a negative deck might not be too great, because I have proven that I'm not good at this deck. But 
Um, in my experience, obviously, as you pointed out, if you don't get Mr. Negative, you're pretty much, you have to just retreat because there's no way you're winning the game with a bunch of, usually with a bunch of zero power cards. Um, in my experience, I've found that running Devil Dinosaurs actually adds a lot of consistency to the deck. It gives you the option or the at least the ability to win games when you don't draw Mr. Negative um, as just like at least one card to go along with like White Tiger and Iron Man that'll give you the power to kind of put you over. Um, Devil Dinosaur is great when you get Mr. Negative because it also adds four power, but he's great when you don't have Mr. Negative as well, obviously. Um, so I, I'd be interested to hear what your thoughts on Devil Dinosaur are. Um, as far as my, my only two kind of problem cards I'm, I'm seeing with this deck are uh, Nakia and Rogue. I feel like Rogue, those are two cards that um, I guess you can see Nakia coming out of Lockjaw as a, as a decent play, but Rogue coming out of Lockjaw can be just a dead card um, a lot of the time. Um, obviously, Psylocke coming out of Lockjaw is probably pretty dead as well. Um, so I guess when I'm playing Lockjaw, I'm more worried about dead cards coming out of them. So that's uh, another thing I guess uh, I'd, have a, I'd have a question about here as well. Um, but yeah, it's really just Rogue and the Devil Dinosaur consideration for me. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so, well, yeah, let's turn it over to you, Gator. I've got three minutes on the clock. So to answer both the Mystique and the Dino question, I think it would be like a very logical decision to just cut the Wong from the deck and then add the Dino. Uh, that's going to make your Mystique much more powerful. It's going to... It'll be a cleaner list for sure. Uh, I kind of just like the idea of the Wong goes kind of like my spicy inclusion. Doubling the Ironheart, doubling the Jubilee is kind of nice. And the White Tiger, but if you cut Wong for Dino, your Mystique gets a lot better, and I think Dino is a great card in the deck, so I'm definitely on board with that change. Uh, for Zola, the big thing with Zola is that I just I don't see that battle cry, the battle cry, the on reveal as such a powerful effect. Like, if let's say you're copying a White Tiger, does the White Tiger get the battle cry? Does does she make more dudes? I think she does. It does. Yeah. Yes. It yep. does, yeah, okay. So if there's something like a white tiger, you get a ton of value, and I, and I agree with that. But, like, if you copy, like, say, let's say a negative, a Psylocke, an, a Rogue, and a Kia that late in the game, there's a lot of dead hits for the Zola. And when I think about the other cards I'm negativing, it's like, what, what are, like, the worst cards in my deck? I would say probably Ironheart, right? If I have a flipped Ironheart, it's a 0-3 that gives 6 power, right? Arden Zola is a 0-6. So will Arnzola probably be better when it's flipped? I'd say so, yeah. But when I'm not drawing my Zola through my negative, it's such a completely dead card. And when I'm playing Mr. Negative, I already think I'm winning the game. So I feel like Zola is a win more in that sense, where if you add Zola, you're going to win more with negative, but then you already drew negative, you're probably going to win the game anyways. Uh, so that's another thing with the Zola. Uh, with Crystal... I've seen some very nice math about Crystal in this deck. The main thing with Crystal is that when you're only playing one one card per turn max, like this deck does, you'll play, like, let's say, a Psylocke on turn two, like a Jubilee, and then a negative, whatever you do. Your hand, I think it's going to have like four or five cards in hand. And when you Crystal, you have to remember that those cards in your hand that are not reversed by negative go back in your hand. I mean, go, go, go back in your deck, and they can get redrawn by Crystal. There's a lot of math out there for how much extra negative cards Crystal gives you. 
and I, I'm pretty sure it's like per crystal play, she gives you like half an extra negative card. I, I think that was the math on it. And for a card that is as bad to flip over when she's negative as her, like again, she's just a 4-4. Four, four. That's very bad with negative. I'd rather just get an extra good negative card when I draw a card that's not crystal in my deck. Um, if this deck could empty its twenty seconds, it would be better. But for that reason, I don't like crystal. And with the thing about this, the snapping with Majik, uh, if you're playing Majik on turn six, your opponent would have probably retreated or snapped anyways. I don't really see the issue with Majik on six, not getting enough cubes, because they probably, on turn six, the game was already decided anyways. Okay, that's time. Awesome. Yeah, definitely some interesting thoughts. I, I think that Mr. Negative decks are always fun, and this is a, a build I haven't seen before, and I think you pointed out you know some of the strengths and weaknesses but i think uh i think it sounds like an interesting build compared to some of the other ones i've seen uh which tend to be more more of the same each time so awesome uh okay so that is two of our guests done we will uh, put five minutes back on the clock and we will turn it over to you binks starting now hey all binks here uh the deck that i am bringing today is one of my babies so I really like to be a deck builder. I try and build decks that uh, are different and very unique. And what this deck is, is a combination of one of the first decks that I ever found outside of my own deck building that I really loved, which is the Exodia combo deck that looks to get 16 on-reveal triggers of a powerful on-reveal like Ironheart or Gambit. And I combined it with a second combo deck that I had never seen anyone else playing before uh, which involves utilizing magic on four, the infinite on six, and then on turn seven, utilizing that huge power you get from the infinite with either an Armenzola that doesn't need to be Mr. Negative, a completely six energy Armenzola, or a Taskmaster to steal that 20 power. And we've layered both of those combo decks on top of each other. Now, the big thing with combo decks in Marvel Snap is that you have a very small deck list and you only have six turns to get the combo off, seven if you're able to play Magic. However, uh, with the consistency of being able to utilize two separate combo trees with this deck, you're upping that level of consistency. You're keeping a surprise waiting for your opponent where they don't exactly know where the combo is coming from. And this deck is, uh, I would say, not popular enough on ladder that most people aren't going to expect exactly what's going to happen. So I'll go through the deck list. For one energy, we have Sunspot. It's not involved with the combo, just a great card to get down on turn one because we're going to be skipping a lot of turns. We have Psylocke, Ironheart, Mystique, Gambit, Wave, Wong, Taskmaster, Magic, Arminzola or Arnimzola, Onslaught, and the Infinite. So there are two different ways that this deck will play out uh, to get the actual full combos. So the first combo tree is going to be the Exodia combo. Uh, what you're aiming for there is to play a Wave on turn three, an Onslaught on turn four on a specific location. You play a Wong on that same location that the Onslaught is played on turn five. And then on turn six, you're either going to play Mystique into Ironheart or Mystique into Gambit. Uh, so for Mystique into Ironheart, Ironheart is going to trigger 16 times, giving all of the cards that you have 96 total power between them, which is a huge buff on turn six, and it's pretty much going to beat anything. 
even if you just have your wave that you played on turn three at another location, and then one location is full, that wave on average is going to get up to, you, you know, about 30 power, 20, 27 to 30 power. So that can win the lane on itself. And then you're going to win the lane that you played the full combo on. If sun spots out, that's just an added bonus and you can fight for another lane that way. Uh, you can also finish that combo with Gambit. Gambit will trigger 16 times. And even though it discards from your hand while it uh, triggers, you don't need a card in your hand. So it will do 16 full triggers. So if your opponent who is usually going to be playing first because you have one location that's full and one location with just like three power on it usually, uh, your opponent's going to play out their whole turn six, Gambit's going to flip, and you are going to completely wipe their entire board. Uh, it's very fantastic, very flashy, very awesome combo. The other way that this combo tree can work is very similar. You start with hopefully playing Sunspot on turn one or turn two if you draw it. On turn three, you have the choice between either playing Psylocke or Wave. On turn four, you play Magic to extend the game to turn seven. You're going to skip turn five and then play the Infinite on turn six on an empty location. That's very important because it gives you more flexibility. And then you're either going to play the Arnim Zola on that Infinite, deleting it from that location and playing it on the other two, or you're going to play the Taskmaster to copy that 20 power to another location. Uh, so this is a bit weaker of a combo. It's not a kind of surefire hit. But it is easier to pull off because you have two different options for cards you can play on turn three, and all you need is that magic by turn four. Um, but it's super awesome. People are never expecting the Arnim Zola. Uh, when that hits and splits it up, it's awesome. The Taskmaster is a huge play as well. Uh, so really, really cool ways to win this game. Uh, when you don't hit those combos, you can win in other ways. Uh, you can just get a Wong and a Mystique and then try and like Ironheart and Gambit it to get four triggers off of there. Uh, you can just do the Sunspot early into a Infinite later. And you can even wave out like an Onslaught or another bigger card at that point. Um, and just try and be as flexible as you can. But for a snapping perspective and trying to get as many cubes as you can, if you aren't getting the combo, you should probably be running away as soon as possible. And then once you're able to get one of those combo pieces down on turn four, either Magic or Onslaught, you're usually going to have the consistency to finish out the game. So you're going to want to snap them. Yeah, that's my infinite combo deck. Interesting. Uh, I've seen some of your videos on this, so um, but obviously maybe not this exact variation where you've got the two combos. So we'll we'll put three minutes on the clock. Uh, we'll start off here with some questions. I'll start us off. Um, I think uh, you know, like you say, pretty solid. This this is more of a I guess an outside of the normal kind of concern. Like you say, I, I think the the way that Gambit currently works is that he'll discard or he'll destroy one of your opponent's cards even if you can't discard. I guess where my brain goes is I know they're still working on some consistency of uh, written effects and how they work. I wonder if that will last forever. I'm not saying it won't, but I guess that would obviously be one less option here. Now, obviously that doesn't change anything now that I, I can't really say that's like a weakness to the deck. Now it could be in the future. Who knows? Um, so that's one concern. Um, like you say, I think, I think it's, uh, I think you have lots of options here. Right, that's what you're going for. You have some really powerful combos, but you're trying to keep up, keep options. I'm not saying I, I, I haven't played this deck, right? So I can't say for myself, but I just wonder if um, a lot of these options are are based off of um, high cost cards, right? And and depend on on draws and stuff like that, which, which I'll do. So, like you say, you said at the very beginning, you have six turns to pull off a combo, right? Normally, or seven turns if you play Magic. Um, so I just wonder. Um, I wonder how that that plays into it. Um, 
So yeah, so that's my thought. Paper, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, so this deck, I am I'm so jealous that you have some of these cards. Like this deck has seven pull three cards, three of which I don't have, three of which are very, very good cards. Arnim Zola, Mystique, Gambit. I wish I could run this deck. I've been waiting for these cards for since they were revealed, but um I love the inclusion of Taskmaster in this deck. I ran Taskmaster so much at the beginning of my pool three with Infinite. Um, such a great card. People don't expect him pretty much ever. Um, that being said, he in this deck, I feel like he can be a dead card. Um, okay, so yeah, Taskmaster, yeah, he can be a dead draw sometimes. Um, I feel like... I will also say, as with what Blue said, um, the deck, barring any changes to wording or anything, the deck does get better once the onslaught interaction with Wong is fixed. Um, it does get worse if Gambit gets nerfed. Um, but obviously, that's stuff outside of the game that doesn't really affect the deck right now. Um, I am concerned with uh, you can run into a situation where you draw pieces of both combos and like kind of the wrong pieces and not being able to really have a clear path. Um, so that could end up being an issue. I will say, at least with the deck that I ran, I am also running two combos. I think that's kind of the ideal way to play this game right now. Um, but this deck is, is a super solid deck. There's not a lot that you can say about it besides basically Taskmaster being dead sometimes. You have a high cost. If you don't draw Wave or Psylocke, you're kind of sitting there waiting. Um, and if you don't draw magic, a lot of your stuff kind of falls apart um, in a lot of situations. So those are kind of my concerns. Got it. Well, we'll turn it over to you, Gator. So I do want to say I actually really like this deck again. Like combining these two combos is very interesting to me. Uh, I can't speak on the consistency of the Gambit, Ironheart, Wong, Mystique combo. That combo, if that's consistent, that'll get nerfed. I don't know how often that happens. I like the idea a lot, though. My main critique is with this Magique Infinite Zola plan. If you're playing Magique on turn four, I think you're going to lose the game to most. You're not actually putting that much power on board, especially for a game where you're committing Magique so early. You're going to have a, maybe a Sunspot in one lane. It'll have like probably eight power. You'll have a Magique in that lane, and you'll have an Infinite in that lane. You're going to end up having a 28 power board, a zero power location and a 20 power location on a game where you played magic on turn four i think you're gonna lose most games to most decks because that's just not a lot of power for a game where both players know it's going to turn seven so early apart from that though i mean i i did see original video on this combo with the gambit stuff if that's consistent that's going to be really really strong but i'm just not sure if this infinite side game plan is actually going to win enough games for it to be good i like the idea though Okay, awesome. Well, we will turn it back over to you, Binks. I got three minutes on the clock. What are your thoughts? Awesome. Well, thank you for your thoughts. Uh, I think that this deck isn't the most competitive deck. Uh, who I think would love a deck like this is someone who likes to play big, flashy combos, who likes to surprise their opponent, and who likes to have awesome moments playing this game, because that's why I play it. I think that that's the most important thing for me, is just have really cool moments and really enjoy the game. Uh, I'm going to address some of the things that you said. Uh, will the Gambit combo last forever? Uh, I, I don't think that they're going to change Gambit. I think that Gambit's uh, probably so low win rate 
Uh, you did mention a really good point about when they fix the onslaught interaction because this deck gets scary consistent if they fix onslaught because then instead of having to rely uh, on getting that onslaught on turn four, which is what you have to do because onslaught has to get played before Wong, uh, you can play this deck in a completely different way. Uh, you can get Wong on four, Magic on five, Onslaught on six, and then you can Mystique and play the combo on seven. And then not only that, if you Mystique the Onslaught as opposed to Mystiquing the Wong, it actually doubles the combo again. And I think it actually like eight times the combo because you can get something like 200 different, 200 triggers when it happens. It's actually, well, I think it's 216 triggers. Uh, I've actually broken the game and crashed my game a bunch of times doing it. Uh, but it, it makes the combo even more flashy and absolutely crazy. Uh, so, yes, I think that there is a chance that it could get nerfed in the future once they fix that onslaught bug, which they have admitted is a bug. It's not supposed to act like that. Uh, and if that happens, that'll be sad. But uh, one thing I will say is I'm definitely going to, if they ever fix the onslaught bug, I'm going to do an incredibly long stream where all I'm doing is this combo uh, because I, I love this combo so much. Uh, Taskmaster being a dead card is completely fair. Uh, I definitely think that uh, Taskmaster only works when you get the, that, that tree of the combo, but it is an important piece. Um, so, uh, I think it still fits into the deck. This deck is really only focused on getting the combos. That's why there's multiple combo trees and it kind of turns into a deck where you're going to lose one cube, uh, lose one cube, lose one cube, win eight, you know, lose two, win four. The, the deck is kind of meant to go like that. You know, you're okay with losing your one cube games if you don't pull your combo. So having a card like Taskmaster is a little bit better there. Uh, the last problem that you mentioned is Taskmaster being played on, or um, sorry, Magic being played on turn four and giving your opponent too much time. Uh, and I definitely think that that's a fair point. Uh, unlike, the unlike the first combo where if you get it, you pretty much win 99% of the time. Uh, with the Infinite Taskmaster or Infinite Armenzola plan, uh, it is going to fail sometimes. However, what's really cool about having Armenzola and Taskmaster if you play Taskmaster on an open, or if you play the Infinite on an open lane, you have the option to play the 20 power in any two lanes you want. So you can Armenzola and do the two lanes where the Infinite isn't, or Taskmaster either lane. So you have the full choice of where those two 20 power lanes land, which gives you a lot better control of playing your opponent. Awesome. Just under time. So awesome. We've had a variety of decks here. Um, I think you guys all brought it today. Uh, a lot of good options, a lot of good defense here. Um, yeah, I, I I like doing this. I like having these conversations because it gives me new things to try. I, I'm excited to go try out some of the things you guys have discussed today and and uh, uh, cross my fingers to unlock some of the cards I may be missing for some of these, but very exciting. Uh, thank you guys for this. So listeners, uh, as I stated before, uh, there will be a survey, or I should say a poll, that you can vote in to vote who brought the best deck today. Was it Gator? Was it Paper? Was it Binks? So you can vote on that either on Reddit, on Twitter, or in the Discord. So make sure to check that out. It's going to be open for a couple of days. Um, so it won't be open forever. So make sure to go find that and to make your vote known. And we will be announcing the winner later. As always, uh, we want to close out by making sure each of the creators has a chance to uh, kind of give their shout out and their plug for their content, where you can find them, how you can best support them. So paper we'll turn it over to you first yeah you can find me over on twitch.tv slash paper with two r's that's p-a-p-e-r-r -R. um and then on twitter at uh paper lol and that's where i'm at awesome gator we'll turn it over to you 
I just want to give a shout out to Michael, Bruce, whatever you're referred to as. Your podcast is absolutely awesome. It's one of the only Marvel Snap piece of time that I still watch nowadays. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Uh, Binks and Paper. The decks you guys brought were actually super interesting. Uh, I'm a bit of a hater when it comes to how much creativity I think can be brought out in Marvel Snap decks. Both your decks were super, super unique. I really like them, and I like both your guys' content as well. So, yeah, thanks for having me on. Y'all are all awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks Thanks for that. And Binks, we'll turn it over to you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the compliment, Gator. Appreciate it. Yeah, very fun today. And uh, thanks, Michael, for always bringing it, uh, bringing some cool podcasting snap content. Uh, I am Binks. Uh, you can catch me on YouTube. It's probably my main source. Uh, you get new deck videos uh, every single weekday. So I've put out over... I believe it's getting close to like 60 different decks on my YouTube. So tons of really cool options to choose from. You can search me on YouTube as Binks, B-Y-N-X plays. And you can catch me live at twitch.tv slash Binks underscore plays. Uh, and Twitter, uh, if you look up Binks or Binks plays, uh, you can probably find me. I don't know if I, I think it's just slash Binks plays. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm really trying to grow uh, with my Snap content. I've, I've been on this podcast before. I really like what Michael's doing and uh, hope you all find me and hope you all continue enjoying this awesome game. Yes, I, I will, I'll just add one final plug there. Make sure to follow Binks on Twitter or sorry, on Twitch for the best uh, follow notification on all of twitch.tv. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you won't be disappointed. But thank you guys all again for being here. Uh, great to have you all on, and we look forward to announcing a winner in a few days. Uh, listeners, thanks for being here, and we will talk to you in the next episode. Can't Stop Snapping is a podcast written, recorded, produced, and hosted by Michael Thurman. Thanks for listening. Thank you.